Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome Eli Martinez to the show tonight. Eli, coming to us from where? I'm coming to you from South Texas, Rio Grande Valley. So deep, 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 and in, in, in as far down as you can go in Texas. And I'm looking behind you on the wall. Uh, those of you that are, are listening, you can't see it, but Eli's got, it looks like one that's a, a porpoise image and then another one with three orca that he's, it looks to me like you're free diving with. Yeah, well, the uh, the the dolphins here, the spotted dolphins, that was in off of uh, off of Bimini and Bahamas, and then the the orcas that was actually on a um, on a TV show shoot in New Zealand. So we actually got oh, lucky really? we were for that one. So yeah, awesome. that one worked out well. I kind of so. thought that that was a Sea of Cortez shot. Ah, no, we, we, when we, we saw the orcas last year in, in the Sea of Cortez, well, not even in the Sea of Cortez, in the Pacific side, um, that when, when we encountered them there, it was, uh, it, it was snorkel only, I'm sorry, it was snorkel, I was trying to remember mm -hmm. exactly where, yeah, so it was definitely not scuba on that one, man, we just got real lucky with that, uh, being able to do scuba with them in New Zealand. That's awesome. Yeah. And we have Eli Martinez, and also on the call tonight, neglected to to mention this when we started, we got Jason Loftus coming to us from Utah. Hello, Jason. Hey, everybody. And Mark Raycroft coming to us from Ontario. Hello, team. Nice to meet you, Eli. I've, I've enjoyed your work on social media for a long time. Uh, likewise, man. Likewise. Actually, you know, I just want to real quickly say i'm a big fan of the show and and super really excited to to be a part of it you know that's it's a it's an honor for me too because I've, I've been listening to you guys for a long time well that's awesome we appreciate it thank you and uh it's people like you that you know that get out and do what you do that kind of inspire us to keep going and and try to bring your stories to those that that listen to the podcast and speaking of which we're going to open this up with the question what is your favorite ever outdoor experience? Oh, ever. I, I, oh man. Um, I, I, that one's really tough. I, you know, on the top of the list, you know, I, I have a, a bunch of them that I can say are, are, are my favorites, but easily the, my, my most favorite moment was actually when I took this, when I snapped this picture of the orcas, I was actually, I was taking pictures of them, but because they're dolphins, I remember when we were, when I first started diving with dolphins in the Bahamas, if you spin, if you drop down and you spin in the water, the dolphins will often spin around you, just they're super curious. So when I was with the orcas, even though we we're in the middle of this film shoot, I just said, you know, forget it, I'm going to give this a try. And uh, I started spinning and, and just, just rotating like crazy. Everybody thought I lost my mind. But it worked, and I had a couple of juvenile orcas come and just start swimming around me, investigating me really close, and just watching me. And it was just, it was just one of the most um, 
one of those things you just never forget, you know, it just, I'm dancing with a couple of orcas and it was just one of those moments and that you just can't believe just happened. Yeah. So that, that is easily my most favorite thing. That's incredible. And they're super intelligent animals. So it's, you often hear from people that have had that experience that you just kind of feel that connection. You can feel the curiosity. You can see the, see the curiosity. And that's again, still that's one of my life's goals so i can't wait <laughs> can i jump in now, this is this is one of the most exciting stories i saw through your social media because i was in new zealand last winter and was just taken away with it and had some experiences but nothing like this one and i saw on your instagram feed if, and if our listeners go back to june 1st and look at the video you posted on your instagram it's this experience and the underwater footage of that orca coming right toward you. I mean, that is just watching it is, is riveting. And I, you know, to imagine being in your position just gives me chills to have that much of an amazing encounter in such great, clear water conditions that you had to film it as well. It's just mesmerizing. So, I mean, we'll get into the contacts and stuff for, people to easily see your impressive work and to learn more about what you do as you discuss it. But I just couldn't resist jumping in that you have to go back and look at Eli's Instagram on June 1st for this video. Just incredible. Yeah, that was a, it, it truly was. Um, it, it, it's hard to explain. I mean, just the, the feeling, especially because there was so much, even at that point, now this was in 2014 and there was still a lot of, um, you know, Orcas had, uh, you know, still have that bad reputation because blackfish had just, you know, come out. And so there was, you know, the orca killing the, you know, the, the, the trainer, you know, the, those, those orcas there. And, and so there's a lot of uh, negative press around them. And people just have this idea of this myth that, you know, orcas would just attack you in the water. So, you know, a lot was unknown. I mean, there's still, you know, I mean, it's not a ton of people that have been in the water with orcas. I mean, a lot now because of Norway. But before that, I mean, it was, you know, you just didn't have a lot of opportunities to get in the water with them. And, and uh, so a lot was unknown. And, and so super exciting to, to be one of the, you know, the people that get to, you know, one of the very few people that got to play with a wild orca is, is uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a highlight for sure. And you were there filming for Shark Week? Was that the project? Yeah, yeah it was a show I hosted on Shark Week called Zombie Sharks. It was a show that we, and it was part of it was, you know the orcas um, as as the top predator of the ocean, and they, they attack white sharks, and that was kind of just part of the story. And so, they you know they added the orcas in for it, which was uh, which to me was a thrill when I got the call like, hey, we're so we're thinking of doing this Shark Week show, and and um, you know well we want you to dive with tiger sharks, and we want you to get you know do some crazy stuff with white sharks, and we want you to swim with orcas. What do you think? <laughs> My uh, so do I got to pay you or do I, you know, do, do you pay me? Like, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. I was like, I'm in. Eli, tell us a little bit about your background because we jumped right from introductions into, hey, I'm filming for Shark Week. So how did that come about? Uh, that was, well, I mean, if, if to go back to where we started, we um, I started our company back in 2003 and we started as a magazine company. I started Shark Diver Magazine, um, and we ran that for eight years. Uh, I think we published 25 issues. 
And I just, you know, you could see the writing on the wall that magazines were on their way out and social media just started growing and getting stronger. And, and um, for, well, when we first started the company, we also started running, organizing expeditions for readers to join us on these trips, which is our way of funding the magazine. So it's kind of a reader, just a 100% reader, reader funded or reader sponsored magazine. And um, so when, when we quit the magazine portion, we just kept the expeditions going. And that's pretty much what we do today now is just full, you know, running expeditions to different parts of the world. And it originally started with just sharks running trips for sharks, but it expanded to include crocodile diving and anaconda diving and orcas and whales. And then we do a little bit of land stuff, which, uh, you know, I love, I'm just a wildlife junkie. So I love every single part of it, you know. Hey, like I just maybe get into a little bit about how you got into photography and videography to begin with too. Cause I'm curious to, I'm always curious to hear how folks, you know, get into this industry and get into this side of the business because it's not, a lot of people don't necessarily grow up thinking they're going to be in that industry. Right. I know I didn't, and I'm not really in it for, you know, per se, but it's always interesting to hear how folks got started. So maybe give us a little bit of background there. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I have to go back to to when the magazine first started, which I wasn't even really doing much photography back then at all. Um, but I just I wanted to get into the shark game, and and you know, I completely naive. I didn't know anybody in the shark diving business. I didn't know anything about publishing. I didn't really photograph wildlife. I you know I didn't know I didn't write much. I just thought this was the perfect business to go into. So, you know, I just naively jumped into it. And um, right away, when we started running our expeditions, uh, I really wanted to document it. I thought this, you know, documenting the journey along the way was was uh, was the way to go. So I, I, I quickly got my hands on a video camera. And we start, I started out with just shooting video. Um, and we just, I just, we started doing, I started shooting video. I didn't know how to edit. So, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of those early a lot of that early footage we just didn't do nothing with because um, it was this was pre YouTube, pre uh, GoPro. I mean, with the big cameras and the you know the big giant housings and and uh, and then it it just kind of evolved. I bought a I bought a Rebel. I bought a Canon Rebel. That was actually the first camera that I got my hands on. Got an underwater housing for it and started shooting a little bit. But then I just my my. I just love shooting video. And then I, we filmed a documentary in 2006 uh, called Summer of the Sharks. It was just something we had done for the film festival circuit. And um, now kind of is that so we had Jorge Hauser on the show last or year and a half ago. And now, I guess. So is that a project that you guys did together? No, this is even before I knew Jorge. You know, I think, oh, really? I think okay. Jorge was still probably in junior high when I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, this is so. This is something I did on my own. It was kind of inspired by the the movie Endless Summer and and um, the the a series Long Way Round with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Bowman. It was a, just a motorcycle film, but it was just kind of like these buddies on the road, just going around the world on a motorcycle on that Long Way Round uh, series. And I wanted to do something like that, but with shark diving. And so this was our version of it. You know, I think we released it in two thousand eight. Um, Anyway, after doing, you know, getting on YouTube, uh, I think in 2011, we started doing some stuff on YouTube, and then um, 
I started shooting a little bit more and it wasn't until that I really got heavy into photography again, which was in uh, 2014 when, when we were doing that Shark Week shoot and I just started taking photos and the, our producer asked me to take some images of the orcas when we were in the water. Um, and that's kind of where the bug started right from there. So I shot those, you know, really into there and, and um, fell in love with photography and kind of put the camera away. Uh, I put the camera away a little bit before, the, the video camera away before that when I started working with sharks and started feeding sharks and doing a lot of interactions with them. And, um, and that kind of exploded another side of our career, you know, the other, you know, working with predators and, and, um, Oh man, I'm sorry. This is a big jumble of, of mess. I'm trying to oh, explain. Oh, you're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, yeah. So after that shark week shoot, I just started, I just started shooting and, and I, I, I never stopped. I just kept going and, and shooting as much as I could. And, and then just started got a long lens and started shooting birds and, and everything else that I could, uh, that I could find that would allow me to shoot it. So, so, so yeah. no formal education really, so to speak at all. Goose egg, just, <laughs> and me and, and YouTube, you, that was pretty yeah. much, uh, <laughs> what I did, you know? Yeah, no. That's amazing. <laughs> now, how about on the, how about on the wildlife end? How did you come to be a, a shark lover? Being from was, South Texas. Yeah, well, <laughs> that goes even into my to another chapter in, in my book. I in in my twenties, I I, I uh, being a Texan, I used to ride bulls and, and I rode bulls for quite a while. And I was working on my pro permit, and I came off a bull, cracked my hip, and uh, I had a I gave myself like three months to heal so I can get back out there. And it was about that time one of my really good friends became a got his scuba certification. So he was telling me about it, and I said, "Well, I got three months." So I got certified. I went diving. I, I took my wife on a vacation. We went to Cozumel, Mexico, and on that first ocean dive, I saw a shark, and that was it. You know, it was just that whole, you know, totally afraid. You know, because I knew nothing about sharks, so it scared me. It thrilled me. I wanted to follow it. You know, this shark wanted nothing to do with me. And when I came out of the water, that was it. I just had sharks on the brain and, and um, I wanted to, to somehow make sharks my living. It was kind of that evolution of, of, you know, okay, I fell in love with sharks. I want to learn about them. Once I fell, you know, once I learned more about them, I was like, I got to make the, I got to make this my living. How? And that's kind of where that journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and how I was going to get my foot in the door with the industry. And, and, uh, and that's, yeah, that's where it all began for me. So just for the timeline for our listeners, how long ago was that? Um, I was riding bulls in the nineties and I got my scuba certification in 99, in 1999. And then I started the magazine in 2003. So from 99 to about 2003 was that, timeline of I, I gave up writing bulls and in, in 99 like literally I went to my next show I got back I went to my next rodeo I was sitting behind the shoots and usually I I you know I love the smell and I love the you know the fire and adrenaline that comes with it and I just um I felt you know I came off my bull that day and I'm usually mad and storming out and throwing a tantrum in the back but you know I, I just had Caribbean blue water and white sand and sharks and and just i was like i'm done i'm going shark diving and uh, that was it after that <laughs> that's incredible you know it's it's a it's a great 
conservation thing that you're doing, I mean, we could dive into that so much, but how is it that as a young man, you come off a bull and have a bone break injury, Jorge comes off a bike and breaks his ankle, I think it was, and then, and then you both find yourselves in the water. Yeah, I mean, a great parallel stories, right? I mean, just coincidence. Coincidence, I know, but I love the, I love the parallel here. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I mean, it's just... Uh... It's just one of the, I don't know if it's a calling or, you know, I mean, I, I, I hope that, that what I'm doing, is, you know, is going to make a difference. I know I've, I've, you know, we've changed the way a lot of kids and people have, have thought about sharks and how they see sharks. And, and, you know, my, my, my journey, I, I feel like is to, to help destroy the predator myth. And, and that's been my, my passion project. And the thing that I've been really working hard on is, trying to change how people feel and think about these animals. And, and uh, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, you've been kissed, kissed by a hammerhead, right? Who said, who can say they've been kissed by a hammerhead in an affectionate way? That's great. They, they need that press, man. They, they do. They do. And uh, I mean, and, and we'll take it, you know, we take all the positive press we can get, you know, most of the time, uh, you know, sharks, everybody likes to see jaws and claws and, and, you know, the, and every time you, you know, I've always tried to push these positive stories about sharks and, and, um, you know, this, you know, the other side of the animal, which is, which is, a, which is a side that most people don't see and don't even know is possible. And, and, you know, for me, it's, you know, the work that we've done with them, it's not about, it's not about what's practical. It's about what's possible. So, I mean, you know, you just can't go out and everybody can't go out and give a, shark a back scratch or, or a belly rub and you know it's just not safe but you know it's just showing that side of the animal that with you know you know if you follow the rules if you're if you respect the animal there's a lot of things that that these animals can teach us so absolutely jason you had a question uh, i was just going to say and that 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 respect that you're talking about and that education that you're talking about it's both as you said earlier land-based and ocean-based right water-based so yeah. all predators all predators, yeah, bears, cats. I mean, you know, there's just, I mean, just watching, and I'm just inspired by what I see out there, and some of the, some of the other people that I get to see their work, and you know, and get to see some of the things that, like you guys are doing with bears in Alaska, and you know, and that stuff just gets me fired up, and I just, you know, I can't even, you know, I just watch, you know, I'm seeing some of the photos you guys are are posting, and I, you know, I'm losing myself, I'm just <laughs> losing, just itching to get out there and wanting to be out there and, and, uh, you know, like you just, as much as you're doing, I mean, and I know you guys feel this, you got to feel this way too, is, is when, you know, the more, even if you're out there doing stuff and you see some of the, the exciting images and video that are coming out from other areas, you just feel like you're standing still, like you're not doing enough and you just want to be out there and just want to, you know, go and shoot that animal yourself. You know, I mean, you're excited for your friends that are out there photographing that animal or with that animal but you know, there's a there's a little hint of jealousy because you want to be there too. You want to be sitting right next to them taking that photo as well. So I mean, it's just, I mean, that we were, that makes. We were talking before the show, and never have I felt that more than right now, <laughs> because, you know, my work because of everything that's going on, my work has placed travel restrictions on, um, its employees, and and I am just, I'm going stir crazy got Mike in Alaska, I've got Jason going down and, and photographing elk in Colorado. And, uh, and of course, Mark gets out, you know, to like Algonquin and the, the Canadian woods. 
and while I can travel around Wyoming, there's a lot of places that I'd that I'd like to be as well. And so, yes, you know, seeing the things that you're doing and, and you had a, you know, in our discussion before the show, you had a trip that you lost um, that was kind of upcoming and, and then a lot of unknowns as well. Correct. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We got, uh, you know, we're, I'm supposed to be in, in Dominique right now uh, with uh, sperm whales and uh, that got shut down and I was supposed to leave there and fly to Tonga and, and uh, go swim with humpback whales and, that got shut down. So yeah, definitely on the, you know, this is just a, it's tough, man. This has been a tough year, but it makes me, you know, it, uh, in July, I was able to sneak a trip to Mexico for whale sharks and crocodile diving. And I tell you what, I, I sucked the marrow out of that trip, man. I, I enjoyed myself. I spent, I didn't, I, you know, I get to the point where I, you know, you, you get kind of spoiled. Sometimes you go to the same place over and over again and you're like, uh, you know, like, okay, I'll, I'll go shoot today or, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get in the water. And, but, uh, after this and after being stuck, uh, man, I was every second in the water that I could, you know, every free minute that I was able to, I was in the water and shooting and, you know, swimming and just appreciating the animals. And, and I was in heaven. Yeah. I can't wait to, for this thing to be over and, and uh, oh, so we can get back out there again. Couldn't agree with you more on that. <laughs> So yeah, Eli, I'm, I'm, sorry, go ahead. I'm sitting here looking at your at your website, your homepage, and on the expeditions tab, there's this amazing image of I'm, I don't know who it is in the water with the with a crocodile, but man, it's just incredible. It just makes, like you said, it makes me wanna. I'm a little jealous. I wanna go. I wanna <laughs> go do that. You know what I mean? It's just incredible. But <laughs> uh, thank you. That was yeah. That was actually from a uh, from that trip last or a week and a half ago or what whatever it is now i don't even remember but yeah yeah that was yeah it was so good so for the average listener i mean all of this stuff the orcas the porpoises the whale sharks are all amazing just how, how is that possible but to swim with a croc takes even further to 99 percent of the people and their perception out there so how in the world and i i encourage our listeners or we encourage our listeners to go and look at these images, of course, on your Instagram or in our show notes. And how do you get that close? Are they simply that well fed? There's no issue. Is it, I mean, they're crocodiles, they're reptiles. So the trust, how, how does it get to that point where you can create images of that detail, that close in the water with them safely? It's again, like it, it's, Sharks, just crocs, just like sharks, are completely misunderstood animals. I mean, there's, they're, they're uh, a lot more intelligent than than people give them credit for. I mean, yeah, they're they're extremely lethal predators, but if you follow the rules, uh, if, you know, with respect and and we, you know, we spent a lot of time. I, matter of fact, this this area that we go to in Mexico is called Banco Chinchoro. It's a it's a marine reserve, so. These these crocodiles that we that we actually spend time in the water with, it's in an area that um, that is protected. Nobody actually goes out there. The only people that have, that that are out in this area are fishermen and fishermen that were grandfathered in. They were there before this this uh, island Banco Chinchoro area uh, became a marine reserve. So they were grandfathered in and they were allowed to stay there and fish in these waters. Well, they around these huts, which are there's like a lagoon. They live in the water, on the water, and um, 
every day when the fishermen would come in, they would clean their catch, they would throw the carcasses in the water. And all these crocodiles that were living in the island, in the mangroves, would come out into the, into the, into the clean water to lay underneath their houses and start eating all the fish and, and lobster carcasses that they were throwing in there. So that's kind of how it started. You know, we, well, I think Brian Scarry uh, was out there doing a story for National Geographic, and he was just uh, he was doing it on the wrecks because there was a lot of wrecks in this in this area, and he saw these crocodiles in the water. So he jumped in, took a picture, and that's kind of he was the first one to do it, and that's and it's all exploded from there. Um, and then we started going out there. We the the owner of the dive shop, the uh, you know the operator that we use. He's, you know, we, I contacted him right away and we set up those first trips and, and we really didn't know what we were doing. And so, I mean, it was those first days, that's when it was scary, when you had no idea what to expect and you had no idea what to, what to do. And, and, um, and the, so when the crocodiles would like, they swimming towards you, we didn't know. So we'd just start backing up and backing up and climbing out of the water. And then we realized that, you know, if, if you put just kind of, you know, put a, a post in the water, a stick, and the crocodile bumps up against it, and it'll back up and it'll, you know, swim off again. So we 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 slowly learned how to interact with the animals, and it was just trial and error. I mean, there was a lot of adrenaline in those first days, but then you realize actually that you know these these crocodiles are really smart, and they realize that we're not something that that um, that they can eat because the majority of the of what these crocodiles eat there is fish carcasses. And small birds and iguanas and crabs. They're they're you know they're not as big. I mean these they're American crocodiles and they can get up to 15, 16 feet, way over a thousand pounds. But because their prey is really small, it it restricts how big these animals can actually get. So they're you know the crocodiles that we encounter there. I think the biggest is maybe 10 feet, 11 feet long, and it doesn't weigh nearly as much as some of the the bigger crocodiles that need that that size for bigger prey. Um, but, you know, again, we, you know, just going in the water and learning how to interact with them and eventually get to the point where we have uh, a few of these crocodiles that, um, that come in all the time. So, like, we've been diving with some, swimming with some of the same crocodiles for the past five or six years. And so, you, you know, like, they're really, really habituated to people and seeing people. And, like, you can literally pick up that. If we wanted to pick up the crocodile, turn it around and just kind of guide it back into the other side. I mean, they're so mellow and so well-behaved. We never forget what they can do to you. That's, that's for sure. But, you know, just a lot of respect for this animal. So. Well, I can only imagine. And, and no matter what, no matter how many stories you tell, that first experience, if somebody was to go do it and, of course, be guided, that's the only way. You'd have to know the rules, right? The protocols, the animal behavior. But it's just like, going to film black bears for the first time there's going to be that hesitancy right you, ha you have to learn it yourselves but it's it's very important with these predators to, to learn it properly from guides but that's a cool story and the pictures are just so clear just magnificent yeah and i don't, I don't know if it had to do with a lot of people not being out in the water and and but the visibility i've been going there for seven years and the, the this last trip that we were there was the cleanest. I mean, it was so gin clear. It was the, I've never seen it so, so perfect. And, and it's the first time I've ever seen it that clear. And, and it, I don't know what it had to do with just not a lot of people being there or what, but it was beautiful. Yeah, we got super lucky. 
No, that's a that's a great example too of what you know what a guy can do for you, right? I mean, you've spent the time and energy, you know, learning this and making it so it's safe. And then, you know, when you get to take folks with you, they get to go with some comfort knowing that you know what you're doing and knowing that you're bringing that level of safety to the experience, which is huge, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's even my thing. It's like everybody gets a story, everybody comes home. You know, that's that's the job. And that's that's my, you know, when I take people out there, that's the first thing in my mind. Absolutely. Especially because we're dealing with a lot of predators. And, and if, you know, if, if we make a mistake, it's the animal that's going to pay for it. You know, I mean, that's the first thing people are going to, you know, if I get bit by a shark and you know, everyone's going to say, I knew it, I knew it. You know, they're just waiting for something like that to happen. So I, you know, I work really hard because, uh, you know, at safety, you know, safety is everything because I just don't want people to ever look at sharks negatively when they think of me or, or you know, because of something stupid that I do. Yeah. And like you and, and Jason had mentioned earlier, and I know Mark feels this way, it's no different with bears. You see behavior, you know, the, the danger in doing what you do and and getting the images that you get is people think that they can just go out and do it on their own. Uh, the same thing with bears. You can interact with bears for for years, in some cases for decades. You learn to read their behavior. You learn to read the individuals. You learn to leave certain individuals alone at times. Um, but learning those behaviors allows you to get some, you know, images that, that people might be envious of, but it's not just something that you want to do necessarily on your own for the first time until you've had the opportunity to, uh, to kind of explore that behavior a little bit and, uh, listening to the time that you guys took to kind of develop those protocols before you started taking other people to you to see the crocs and i know you know the same thing with the orcas there's a lot of unknowns the first time you get in the water but now you can kind of establish a protocol and 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 be comfortable in bringing others to see the i, I was looking at the list of all your trips and there's not a non-apex predator on that list <laughs> yeah. i mean it's there's some great opportunities there so when somebody goes on an expedition, I mean, it's worth it for people to pay the money, not just for the safety. That's first and foremost, but the experience they'll get because people like Eli have been to these destinations again and again. So odds are if the weather cooperates and the wildlife, which is, you know, you can't count on it 100%, but you're going to these destinations because they've been proven destinations. When you put those things together, it's worth it because they're going to have the experience of a lifetime. They're going to be, have that intimate experience potentially with these animals and come away with those images or videos that they've dreamt about. You know, it's, there's no guarantee, but there's no better chance than going with somebody with so much experience. And you, you've been leading these, these for 17 years, according to your website. And I don't want to jump off on this, but I just, it left me kind of mouth open speechless when I read the list of your expeditions for the next year and a half in you know i i'm grateful i feel like i've got it pretty good where i can travel and do the wildlife photography that fuels me that that allows me to storytell like you say and and try to move people to care about these animals or appreciate them for what they really are or, or shine a bit more of a light onto their behavior and, and understanding and how they fit into onto planet earth but your list my friend i i i want to read it 
I, I, it won't it won't take long, but it's it, really if it's okay. All right, all right. So Eli, this is this is starting coming up for 2020 Anaconda diving, September 20th to 26. How amazing would that be? Okay, well hold on. I mean, every, you, I hope you people are sitting down. Tiger shark diving, October 17th to 23rd. Polar bears of Churchill, October 24th, 29th. Marlin bait ball in Mexico. So he's got this planned out so well. He's going to Churchill. He's going to have winter Arctic amazing experience. Then he's going to take a break in Mexico to do Marlin bait ball. And if you look at his photos underwater of these bait balls and these magnificent Marlins or sailfish circling these bait balls in this blue water, Oh, just the visual. Pictures aside, to be there and experience that, again, chills. Hair on the back of the neck, standing up kind of thing. Then you leave Mexico. He's going to do Arctic orcas, diving with Arctic orcas in Norway, November 16th to 22nd. Then, smartly again, back to the Bahamas. Tigers and great hammerhead shark diving for November 28th to December 5th. And it goes on. There's there's a thresher shark trip. There's gray whales, tigers in India, mountain gorillas in Uganda, East Africa. Keep sitting down, people. Whale sharks in Mexico, sperm whales in the Dominica, jaguars in Brazil, orcas in, in Baja, black bears uh, in North Carolina, then to Borneo. My friend, can we be better friends? How, how do... <laughs> That's incredible. Hats off to you. And and to be able to share these incredible destinations with people, that's 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 great. That you I, I'm just floored, but and, and so happy for you. To give up a few of those Canadian millions, Mark. I'm sure you guys could be great friends. <laughs> Sorry, where are those Canadian millions? Can you remind me where those were hidden? <laughs> It was really more, I mean, some of them started as a wish list, like, you know what, I want to go here. I want to see this animal. And, and then, you know, that's like anything else we do is, you know, when you plan something, it's, you know, mostly because you want to see it. And and then I say, well, let me throw it out there and see if people want to join us. And, and I had people really excited about wanting to come with us. And, you know, some of them we'd go on our own and then come back and people would be like, hey, you know, I want to go. You know, I want to do, are you going to do that one again? And And so that's kind of how it uh it kind of steamrolled and you know some of them it's just and we doing you know we we had a positive response from the trip so we you know ran it again and we run it again and run it again and and some of them you know we've been running for 15 years and and uh you know going going strong going on 16 so you know so blessed and 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 happy that people still want to travel with us and and you know be a part of this journey and and then i get to share these animals and we get to share stories of like, cause a lot of the places we go, it's, it's the same animals year after year after year that show up to these spots. And, and yeah, they're all wild, but they're still like, they still go like tiger sharks. I've been diving with the same tiger sharks for, you know, going on 15 years. Uh, and, and it's these same individuals and seeing them, you know, growing from 10 feet to 13 feet and, you know, and just being able to share those stories and, and uh, it's it's exciting. I mean, that part is my favorite thing in the world. And then having people who have never seen these animals and to see their expression or, you know, that that you have somebody that's never seen the animal before and, and they and they come out of the water or come out and just exploding with with happiness after seeing it. And then 
say because I don't get to, you know, I don't have that first feeling anymore for a lot of animals, but I get to get, I get to experience it through them. And that to me is the best in the world. And so. Yeah, I saw one of your images on your, on your Instagram feed was you standing underneath the Northern Lights. And I've had a lot of people describe the first time they see the Aurora and just the emotion that kind of overtakes them. And, you know, kind of just like what you just touched on. It's it's like that for me when I see when I see something for the first time. It's exactly like you described. It's it's kind of emotional. It takes your breath away for a minute, and then you remember why you're there and and that you want to be able to share that experience with others. So then instinct kicks in and you start to you start to film. But just that initial contact or that initial sighting with with some of these creatures that that you're going out and going after would just be awe-inspiring. You know, I look at the the white the white tip shark or the Oce- oceanic white tip. Uh-huh. You know, that's a shark that instills fear in a lot of people, even people that have been on the ocean for a lot of their lives, just because of the stories that you hear. That you know, the USS Indiana uh, story and the shipwreck stories and that kind of thing, and to know that you can go out and and photograph these these sharks safely that's uh well they're these those are definitely the wolves of the sea i mean they're you know right. where, where the majority of the sharks like even with the white sharks and the tigers i mean what they'll do is they go uh, when a tiger attacks uh, a prey they 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 bite spit and then they swim away and they they allow their hope they don't want to get injured so they allow their prey to bleed out so that's usually what happens with with like a great white or a tiger shark or a bull. They 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 don't want to get hurt by the, the the backlash of the prey that they're after. However, an oceanic white tip, once they start, they don't stop. They don't. They just like when they attack their prey, it's nonstop. They don't bite and spit and swim around. They just they continue and they they will not let go. They're you know when they turn it on, they turn it on. But on the flip side, they're one of the most beautiful sharks to ever go swimming with, to go diving with, because they're just so relaxed, so well behaved. They, you know, I mean, you definitely have to keep an eye on them, and because it's, you know, obviously it's it's a predator, and you have to respect all of them. But it is easily one of the most um, uh, beautiful sharks, and and one of the easiest sharks to ever go diving with, just because they're so relaxed and so mellow. I've heard from from other people who have experience with sharks that it's important when underwater, if they're coming toward you, to keep facing them and to keep eye contact. Is that something that you do, or does it depend on the species? Definitely. I mean, well, you want to keep an eye on any shark. You want to always know where it's at. Uh, you know, there's some there's some predators or some sharks that are uh, you know they're they're a lot bigger, a lot more dangerous. So, like say. So when we take people tiger shark diving, one of the first things that we do before you ever get in the water is we try to coach people on how to safely push a tiger shark away. So, you know, the safest, if you ever have a shark approach you, the safest place to push a shark away is on the top of their head. And then really what you're trying to do is, you, you know, you put your hand on top of their head and you just, you're just creating space between you and the animal. So the, um, the shark... They, they can't swim backwards. They can only swim forward. So the idea is to kind of move yourself away from the animal. And that's what we, we do for, for our guests is, is teach them how to just build a little more confidence. Uh, and and when a, if, a, if a tiger shark approaches you, 
because chances are if you're in the water, um, when we're down there, uh, you, you might have a tiger shark approach you and you need to be able to safely push it away. So um, that's one of the safety things that we do. And, and yeah, it's because, I mean, with, with some sharks, you know, if, if like if a reef shark bites you or a lemon shark bites you, it'll ruin your Sunday. But if a tiger shark bites you, it's, it's life changing. So you, you definitely, you know, when, it, when, we, when we go in there with these very, very big predators, you know, we, it's, it's all about rules, it's all about safety, and it's all about building your confidence so that you can be in the water and, and what you're, so you're not as worried about the animal and you, you're, you're more comfortable in there to, to get your video or get your photos. And, and, uh, and if you're approached, you know what to do to confidently get the animal out of your way. I've seen people with... Uh cobras as well and that you know you look at people from the the hindu world that the snake charmers and that sort of thing and they always come down from the top of the head or from above their head because they can only lunge forward and i think you know that it's counterintuitive (laughs) your logic would tell you don't touch the pointy end right (laughs) whether it's a snake or a shark. And uh, so that I'm sure that's something that has to be ingrained in people. It's not not your first instinct. Oh, it, it, absolutely. And then the first, you know, we tell you because, so if a shark is, is approaching you, we tell you to put it on top of the head. Never, you know, never put anything underneath their, their nose because that's just going to trigger a shark's mouth open response. And it just, I mean, it's instinctual. And then if you're, if it's a big tiger, I mean, it'll scare the hell out of somebody because it's just a big animal and, and they're just, it's just something they're not expecting. But yeah, it's, they're, they're definitely a big animal. Can we segue into the gear that Eli's using these days or do you want to keep? Yeah, for sure. Nope. Yep. I was going to, I was going to ask because you, you said you started with a rebel, right? Yeah. And how has that evolved? Uh, well, right now, I mean, it went from the Rebel to the 7D, um, and then I, um, and then I'm I'm now on the uh, Canon 5D Mark IV, uh, which is what I'm shooting with, pretty pretty exclusively. I'm looking at that new R5 though, but uh, but you know, right now it's it's the 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 the, the 5D that I've been shooting with for for quite a while, and and uh, the Canon lenses that come with it, um, but. Uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much been my my toy of choice. What about your, sorry, Ron? What about your aquatic housing? What's the go-to to create the quality of images that you're collecting? Well, I shoot with Aquatica. I mean, it's it's really the the housing itself is is you know I mean it's just more of um, you know just protecting it and really the you know because I got I'm shooting the Canon eight fifteen uh, fisheye, you know that's just I mean it's beautiful glass on there and and. I, I I shoot on the so the dome on the on the outside of my housing. Um, I normally I have glass. I've been shooting glass, which is a lot prettier. It just makes you know the images a lot sharper. But because I, I my last glass dome port, I scratched it pretty bad. So I'm back on on uh, the acrylic domes, um, and that you just got to make sure those are clean. I mean it, it you know kind of loses just a little bit of quality, but not enough to where you know I'm I'm not happy. I'm still happy with the images that that I'm getting from it. But, yeah, so that's you know. It's just... Is there a big price point between the acrylic and the glass? 
a difference that way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What are we looking at there? For somebody who just looks at your stuff and says, I want to go do it with Eli and try one of these trips to get the best results, what what would the acrylic versus the glass aquatic housing cost? Well, it, well, the housing the housing itself, I mean, if you're looking at a, a, a good, I mean, you can, for like a 7D or a, or a 5D type camera, um, your your housings are going to be depending on the on the type you get can be anywhere from around two you know two grand to ten grand. It just depends on on what kind of housing you want to get um, and what your uh, the attachments that go with it. You know if you're going to have strobes, if you're shooting natural light, if you're shooting video light. I mean it just you know you can go crazy. Just like topside, you know you know getting all the all the lenses and the lights and everything you need and tripods and I mean it. it it's an expensive hobby. Well, you don't use tripods underwater, though. I'm just kidding with that one. You, I guess you could, right? If, in the... Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm actually looking at picking one up for, for some of the shots that I want to get. Right on. So would a lot of your guests, I assume now, I mean, you would have GoPros or action cameras because of their underwater capabilities and just would po probably pull off some great video just with those small units, right? Oh, absolutely. GoPros, uh, they're, they're, I mean, I, I, with them all the time. I mean, they're, they're amazing, amazing cameras underwater. And, and, uh, you just, you know, though, it's, it's really important for GoPros for underwater. It's really important to always have the light to the sun to your back, just because if you I mean, you can see where you'll see it. Like if you're shooting the, the GoPro and, you got beautiful blue water and, and, you know, the animals are in front of you and then you turn it just a little bit and there's sun right there and everything turns green. I mean, just instantaneous. So there's no, it doesn't, it's not forgiving at all. So you really have to have the sun to your back if you want real pretty GoPro footage. Good tip. So. And, and that's just overcoming the light, right? There's no adjustment for exposure and... Exactly, now, is that the difference between the cost and a lot of those housings is just functionality? Some will allow you to make adjustments where others, you're kind of stuck with what you've got? Exactly. Yeah. Like my housing, you know, the, the housing, the Aquatica that I have, I mean, I have access to every single function that that uh, that I would on land other than the touchscreen from the, the, you know, from the monitor. But other than that, I mean, I can access every single thing. So and, 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 you know, you, you need it and, you know, you definitely, you're always changing and I shoot exclusively manual. So I'm always changing settings and, and, in the water and, you know, with, when, you know, depending on the time of day and, and what, you know, what kind of conditions we have. So yeah, you're always wanting to adjust things. How about focus underwater? Focus? Yeah. I, I always shoot, I, I just, I just set it to infinity, especially, you know, with a fisheye, I'll, I'll, I'll just set it and. And uh, I mean, it, it focuses, I, I do, uh, you know, front button focus underwater. So when I, you know, when I point it at something and, and depending on what you're shooting. So like I, you know, I, instead of single point for my focus, I, you know, will I'll expand it and, you know, I'll try to fill as much as I can so that, because most of the time you're not looking through the, the eyepiece when you're shooting and like, especially if you've got Marlin or you've got a big animal in front of you, you only have time to just kind of stick your camera out and just start firing away. So you really need that, uh, you know, you definitely need to make sure that you're going to be able to see that animal because if not, there's so much particular, so much space between you and the animal that that water, if, if you have 
a big object for it to focus off of, it's going to start focusing on the particles in front of you, and, and you just get nothing but blurry images. It's like trying to autofocus in the snow, huh? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 So one question that I wanted to ask or wanted to get into is, you know, we kind of touched on your trips uh, for a little bit. So I'm a guy that, you know, wants to go on trips like the ones that you offer, especially the underwater stuff. When you have somebody that wants to come, what are what are your expectations as the guide of that person and what can you help them with? You know, because if, if a person is going to do this once in a lifetime, going out and buying a, a four or $5,000 housing is probably not realistic. So do you offer any equipment rental or do you recommend places where people can rent? Or do you recommend that they just come with an action camera and, and get what they can get? It, it, it depends on, I mean, you, we I always have, I mean, we have people that still have, you know, show up with price tags hanging off of their, their camera housing and, you know, want me to, you know, so we, we, I try to give them the settings that I shoot with and, and uh, I try to help them set it up so that, you know, they, they can have a good time and they can return with, with images that they're really happy with. And, and um, you know, so um, it, it, it really depends if, and if someone's just, because I always get that, well, I have, I have like $400 to, for a camera. I'm like, what do you, what do you recommend? And I, I just automatically tell them to go buy a GoPro. I mean, the GoPro is so, I mean, they're going to be able to, to take amazing stuff, uh, underwater and, and, uh, you know, all you got to really do is play with your white balance settings under, you know, and do some custom settings, uh, when you're down there, depending on your depth and you'll be able to get some really, really good looking footage underwater and and that way they can just enjoy themselves you know they're you know the most people that because they're so overwhelmed with everything that they're experiencing a lot of times they forget to shoot or they just you know fumbling around with their camera and 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 they really don't uh they don't really know what they're shooting they're just enjoying the hell out of themselves and so i just try to make it as easy for them as possible uh so that so that they have a good time so that you know they're they're you know they take something home that they can show off to their buddies put on social and, and, um, and, and remember, you know, try to remember us for, for a future trip, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, and then for the, for the, for the pros, we just, you know, whenever we take somebody out there, I just share my settings and say, look, this is a good starting point. And then whatever you like, you know, then, you know, if, if you want to change your settings, you know, this is what I shoot with. And I, underwater, I always shoot natural light. I just do a uh, white balance when I'm in the water for my images and um and just depending on what they're doing it you know if they're shooting strobes it's a completely different setting and you know it just depends on what it is that they want to do or what they're accomplishing or what they're trying to do when they're in the water yeah, yeah i think you hit on a key point though there too we've talked about this quite a bit on the show but it's sometimes you know you get so caught up in trying to get the image or trying to get the video or whatever it might be that you kind of miss out on the opportunity to just enjoy the experience you know so that's interesting that you pointed that out. I think that's probably really good advice for a lot of folks, especially I think if I was to go on one of these expeditions with you, I would probably try to spend at least part of the time just soaking it in, just having that experience and not worrying about my settings and fumbling with camera gear and equipment and stuff, you know, because I think I think a lot of times when we're out in the field, we miss those opportunities. So that's a really good point. Uh, and and I'm, I'm guilty of it all the time, too. And I'm like, I'm sure you guys have been out there and, you guys forget to look and it's just so it becomes so much sometimes about just trying to capture that perfect moment 
and you just forget to just stop and just just enjoy what we're doing. And and uh, I'm I'm completely guilty of that a lot, you know. And and but I I have to remind myself. I remind everybody that's with me, and then that, that allows me to remember that for myself at the same time because I I tend to forget as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's so amazing to be underwater. It's it's such a for me. I haven't experienced that a lot, and I did it just pretty well the first time with videography and photos in mind this last year in Australia and New Zealand. And it was just so moving that it was a challenge just to position myself, right? As the pods of dolphins were going by, to position myself in to get the images. That After the first experience, my daughter and wife were with me on the trip. They're both way better swimmers than I am. I can swim fine, but they're so impressive and they, they could swim forever. So I handed it to my daughter to film and just so I could just be there and watch the dolphins go by at the next opportunity for that reason. But it's, yeah, it's underwater world. I mean, it's, it's the majority of this planet and it's so diverse and I'm sure you have surprises that happen on some of these trips. I mean, I just can't imagine the whale shark experience that you just had and, or sperm whales. Ah, oh, right. I mean, and, and you have close-ups of, of some of these marine cetaceans coming right by your camera, looking you in the eye, right at gray whales at arm's length. I mean, there's for, for when, when you get those kind of opportunities or having a baby uh, humpback whale that's just, I mean, they're, they're flopping around. They're trying to find somebody to play with when they're on the surface, and they're just kind of coming up to you, and they don't know how big they are. They don't know how... Uh, I mean, because they're the a baby humpback whale is pretty much the size of a school bus. I mean, it's just huge, and she does she had no you know she doesn't realize how powerful she is or how powerful they are, and and just to uh, to see them and, and you know the moment they come up to you and they're just flapping around and you know you know flopping their their fins or their their flippers and and you're just kind of trying to get out of the way because you don't want to get smashed, and uh, it's. It's and you're laughing. You're laughing so much just because of the experience. And and uh, yeah, it it is. It's a different world. It really, really is. It's special. And and you know, being able to do that. And you know, for your first experiences in Australia and New Zealand. I mean, wow, amazing place to do that. Just, I mean, that place is is. I mean, it's. I've never been to Australia. It's huge on my list. And and I I can imagine myself spending a year there, and not seeing enough. Mm -hmm. Well, especially the marine ecosystems around the continent. And that was the thing about New Zealand. Once once they get under, under the water, I mean, there was just so much going on. There were sperm whales there. We didn't take time to see them. But just the, we were, the highlight, we did the South Island, but the highlight was Kaikoura and the dolphins there. <laughs> I want to go there so bad. I, get, I, I didn't get the chance to do that. We were, we were on a schedule. So, you know, I didn't get to go over there to do the, the Kaikoura, yeah, to Kaikoura, but that's like been on my list for a long time. And, and you know, the purple or the blue uh, penguins, uh, that's another um, in New Zealand that I didn't get a chance to go see. I mean, there's just, what an amazing place. Yeah. But, but you've seen a few things, my friend, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I have no doubt you'll get there, but you're, ah, I'm, it's incredible your list. And I'm sure you've been able to move so many people to appreciate all this diversity of life, man, truly. I'll tag along anytime. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I will carry you. Actually, I want to tag along with you on your guys' trips. I've never, I've never been to 
Yellowstone, it's it's huge on my list of, of places to visit. I have not good grief. Come out. We'll, be, we'll show you a heck of a time. Be happy to trade you. <laughs> yeah. I really I, I get out there. I'm hoping to get out there this winter if things change and, and uh, oh, finally. Let us, let us know. Yeah, We're seriously. Talk, talking about doing some things possibly this winter. So Awesome. Stay in, in touch on that. Yeah. So how about leopard seals? I haven't Ooh. seen any. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't been to Antarctica yet. I, I uh, it's, but it's, but it's on the list. It's definitely something that uh, we've been looking at. I have a, a bunch of friends who, who've been banging on me about wanting to set something up to go and do that. And uh, it's just, I mean, I, with all the other things that we got going on, I, I have, I just put it on the back burner, and I keep saying, okay, I'm gonna get back to it. I'm gonna get back to it. And, and uh, yeah, so it's maybe 2022 or something. You're looking at that as some at. Because it's one of the the last of the big predators that you know of the of the ones that are a complete myth uh, that we have yet to do and and uh, you know that was that's that's a really important for me as far as uh, you know storytelling and and sharing you know the trying to destroy the predator myth it's a story I've been working on for for quite a while and and to be able to do that with uh, all the major all the major predators that that are that have a lot of um, um, I'm, I'm fumbling for the word. Just you know, just misunderstanding. Sorry. Misunderstanding. I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm, I'm already I'm already spinning because I'm thinking about grizzly bears and wolverines and how people just even where I live, fishers. People think fishers are going to come and take their children at the bus stop. It's like no, they're not. But you know, they're incredible predators. But they're so misunderstood and all the things that you're covering so similarly. And and it reminded me that couple of things that you take the time and you go and, and even with your daughter do school group talks to educate people about these animals to help them understand so they're not misunderstood oh absolutely i mean that well that was important for me right well i saw a difference because we've been doing school talks for for oh, since we started this thing and and um what i noticed was when kids see a picture of a shark they just oh it's still a shark you know but when they see a picture of of a shark and it's coming up to me and it, it wants, it's asking for a back scratch and I'm giving it a back scratch. And when they see that all of a sudden, everything, you know, that they thought they knew about these animals is completely blown away. Everything, you know, everything is wrong. And so it just opened up, it opens up their mind to, okay, why, why did the shark not eat him? Why, you know, all these new questions, you know, it, and, it, and it just brings up another side of these animals. And by the time, you know, the, uh, my talks are over that, you know, they're just in love with sharks and, you know, want to protect them. And it, it, it's, it's a, an amazing transformation for a lot of people when they see it. Well, it's so important with what's going on on our planet for plastics, pollutions and single use plastics out of control, all this stuff to care about sharks is a starting point. You know, these apex predators that are needed in these ecosystems is a starting point for people especially, and especially children to launch that care. And, and belief and action in their minds. And, and otherwise, it's out of sight, out of mind. If they don't have this presentation from you, it stays that way, right? They assume a shark is a shark is a shark. And I, I, I'm sitting in the class right now. I'm one of those 10-year-old boys. I'm thinking to myself, okay, Eli just said the shark came up and asked for a back scratch. My hand's up in the air. I'm like, Eli, even though I'm a little older than 10, I haven't had that ever happen in my life. How does a shark ask you for a back scratch? No, I mean it. How? What? What do they do? 
I was about to explain. So, I mean, when, when, so when we're interacting with Char, so one of the things uh, that I did early in my career is when we first started offering these tiger shark dives, we had trouble keeping the tiger sharks around. I mean, we they were always hanging out in the peripherals. We couldn't, uh, you know, they didn't want to come in. So on one of our dives, I asked, I just told my captain, I said, you know what, I'm going to take a, a box of bait down and let me see if I can attract the tiger shark to me. So I brought the bait, the box of bait down, and, and at that point, tiger shark came right in, kept, and we kept it around, and, and that just kind of, you know, opened up this whole new chapter of, of how we interact with the tiger sharks. And I mean, we were already offering them bait, but now I'm just hand feeding them a couple of pieces of bait here and there, and it just opened up this entire new world. So I stopped taking the camera down with me, and then I was just completely focused on on you know keeping these tiger sharks around and keeping our guests safe in the water. And at that point, I saw this entire new world open up to me with, with, with this shark language, this shark communication. And I began to just watch all the different species of sharks, um, how they interacted with each other, their social hierarchies, uh, how they communicated with each other, and, then, you know, and how they're communicating with us. And it got to a point where I had a few lemon sharks, which I feel is the lemon shark is possibly one of the most intelligent sharks in the world. Um, and it just, they're extremely social, they're very intelligent, and this is the first shark that actually started, I started interacting with, so it would come up and I'd start rubbing its nose, and then it eventually got to the point where the shark wouldn't even come in asking for food, it was just asking for a nose, for a face scratch or a belly scratch, and then it, you know, the lemon sharks are one of the sharks that uh, can, they, you know, because most sharks have to swim, uh, to keep swimming, to keep uh, to keep uh, water pumping through their lungs. Lemon sharks are one of the few species that can actually lay down in the sand and just self-pump water into their lungs so that they can breathe, or lungs through their gills. Their gills. Yeah, uh, yeah sorry about that. And <laughs> during, during one of these uh, feedings, I had a lemon shark come up and just bang its nose up against my knee and lay down. And so I just started giving it a back scratch while she was laying down at my knee while I had tigers and other sharks swimming around me. And there's this one shark just laying down with its face pressed up against my knee and I'm giving it a back scratch. And then I stopped and I just started, you know, working with the other ones. And then she would kind of like put a little more pressure on my leg and I started scratching her back again. And so that kind of opened up this whole, you know, different world with the lemon sharks. And, and, and then what happened, which was interesting, is how lemon, you know, lemon sharks, so that they, they communicate with each other. Um, and they do this by, by um, rubbing up against each other. It's how they, they, they like, kind of like Bluetooth passing information to each other. This is how they, they, they communicate. Um, not sure through their lateral line or, or what it is, whatever sensory they have, but this is how they communicate. And by the end of the week, I had two or three. Uh, you know, for sure, three different lemon sharks asking for a back rub. And this is, this is, these are sharks I've never worked with before. These are sharks that, that I've never interacted with before. I had interacted with this one individual over and over again. But by the end of the week, she had the information had been passed to the other sharks, and they were also asking for back rubs and back scratches. And, you know, and it, it's hard to believe, but I have video proof of all this, you know. So it's like, you know, I got the story to, to share when you know when these sharks are actually communicating with us, uh, are just showing how the sharks communicate. It's it's 
it's fascinating stuff so, to me. I just it's mind blowing. And, so, and so, uh, not to simplify it, but it's like the golden retrievers of the sea. Then you get the golden retriever comes up and it nudges your knee. You pet it, scratch the top of its head. Once you stop, I mean, they won't do it forever, perhaps, but it'll do it again. It'll nudge your knee again, saying, "Hey, buddy, keep keep petting my head. That was that felt good." You know, people can pass it off for like the shark is trying to get comfortable, like he's moving, but. I mean, I, I remember the feeling I got from it, and I hate, you know, hate to anthropomorphize the shark, but um, I think I said that word right. That's always a hard word to pronounce. But she definitely, I felt the nudge as soon as I stopped, and then I'm like, whoa, what, you know? And I look around. Sometimes I'm looking around at the people because I have guests, you know, all in the water with us, and they're kind of surrounding us because I got the bait box, so they're kind of watching the show. But you know, some of these things happen, and I'm looking around like. Okay, did you all just see that, or was that just me? You know, and but you know, of course, uh, you know, it's 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 hard for them to understand. I mean, most of the time, like I I had this lemon shark come up to me, and I grabbed her nose, and I was giving her nose a tickle, just stopped swimming, and literally just dropped into the sand, and then just laid down in front of me. So I was just rubbing her nose. So she went from swimming. And then just drop down. And so I'm on my knees and, and she's just laying in the sand. And I just continue giving her nose a tickle and I start rubbing her back. And that was the first time it happened. And I mean, I'm on fire because this is just, I mean, you know, to have her go from swimming to just flopping in the sand so I can give her a back rub and a nose rub was I'm just unreal. And then we come back on the boat. And I'm asking, because there's cameras everywhere, and I'm asking, and nobody recorded it. They're like, oh, we thought that happened all the time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's just you know, <laughs> one of those like, moments. And same thing uh, happened once with, unfortunately, uh, this was filmed, and actually it'll be um, Shark Week next week. They're, they did a segment on it and one of the shows of uh, Great Hammerhead, where I learned that when Great Hammerheads um, come up to their prey, they... It's like they magnetize to their back. So I'm, I'm just tickling the nose of a great hammerhead. And I, the moment I could feel where it just like, like kind of like clamped, like almost magnetized to my hand. And so as I'm doing this, um, she's following me around. And actually the, the clip of it's on, I have it on Instagram as well. But, you know, she just swam around and around and I'm just kind of leading her with my hand. And she swam around me two or three times and, and, um, First time that on film, and, and fortunately they they filmed it, and then you know that'll be on I think on a show called Sharks Gone Wild uh, three next next week on Shark Week. They're gonna have that, so another, you know one of those moments that was captured that I was super happy with. But, you know, just interesting behavior. Sharks Gone Wild three <laughs> harkens back to some other movies that yeah. <laughs> That, those are the experiences that fuel me. You know, the camera is a tool, but when they to be able to observe animal behavior and learn, even just as an individual myself, to learn something new about that species, recognize something different, is so exciting. So I, I feel where you're at, and, and to me, that's that's the camera is the device that allows me to be out there to be an observer. So that, that's cool that you feel that way and you, you've had such moving experiences and, and no doubt countless given where you've been and what you've seen. Totally agree. I, I, you know, that to me is, it's, it's, it is, uh, you know, the, what I love about cameras is that we we're, it allows us to share it with everybody else that can't be there. You know, that's, that's my favorite part of it. You know, the, 
the beautiful moment or, you know, that, you know, the, the behavior or something that's just exciting and, and uh, you know, it helps other people fall in love with what we're in love with, you know, and that's, that's, Absolutely. Uh, I, that's exactly why I picked up a camera, uh, you know, the, as cheap as it was the first one that I had, that's the exact reason because I'd come back with these stories and sometimes people just, you know, maybe found it hard to believe or, or wanted to see it for themselves. And, some of these things you just can't repeat, but that's exactly why I picked up a camera and, and started to document the the experiences that you have in the wild. And it, and it adds to the it adds to the fun and the you know for me at least it, you know the fun and the beauty of the moment you know just being able to to you know capture you know when you take that picture and 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 then when you come home and you look at it and you're like reliving it for that for that you know just seeing it again and being a part of it again it, it just you know, some of those move. I mean, I've, I've, some of those moments move me to tears sometimes, just because it's just I'm just in shock and disbelief and excited and and uh, you know, just it's hard to explain. It's hard to express. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Feel it. I feel it. I'll be watching your orca video over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> so Shark Week's one of my favorite weeks for TV. I'm not a big TV guy. Because I I'm usually editing or trying to go out and have experiences, right? But um, any other footage that we can expect to see? Um, well, that one that's the only new one I've done. I hosted a show a few years ago called Zombie Sharks. They they kind of rerun it every once in a while. They, they rerun it every year. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but but um, you know they they definitely it it comes out it's it's come out every year. I just don't know if or when it's going to be this year. I haven't looked, but uh, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's uh, so that's exciting i'll have to check that one out too so i'm sure i've seen it because i'm such a fan but <laughs> i don't you know remember <laughs> so anything else from you guys well, i just was wanting to know what sdm diving so is to mention his his connections and where i mean it'll be in our show notes so people can find that there but sdmdiving.com that's your website that's in your instagram handle is sdm diving where's that from that well, it's just homage, paying homage to to uh, Shark Diver magazine. Right on. When we when we ran it, you know, so I just you know I just kind of kept the SDM just because uh, it was a, uh, yeah, just you know a tribute to where we came from, and uh, you know I, I, you know I really I loved I loved the magazine. I loved doing it. It was so much fun. You know the layouts and, and coming up with the stories and you know that that to me was such a. It was a fun time in in, in, in my journey, and and um, I, I really I really had fun with it. And I, it's just sad when it ended, but but yeah, um, yeah, that's that's why. <laughs> well, I'm glad you explained it. I feel really silly for asking now, but thank you. <laughs> it's kind of obvious in hindsight. Yeah, Eli, where can people find you um, other than your Instagram and the website we've talked about? And we'll have links in the show notes to those. You have a YouTube channel? Are you on any other social media? Yeah, no. Well, we do. I, I mean, uh, uh, we we have a channel. I think it's YouTube is SDM Diving, or or I might have it under my name, Eli Martinez. Um, I got uh, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, LinkedIn, but man, I just I don't really yeah. keep up with all the ones. So it's just really Facebook, Instagram, and and YouTube are the ones that you know we we try to stay on and. And I, you know, I have a, a blog on our our uh, website that I try to keep up with and and uh, you know share stories and 
and uh, yeah, that's that's where we are. Usually on Instagram is my favorite platform. I think that you just you know because I'm in love with photos and video, and, and that's just the best place to do it. Yeah, and Mark, um, just so you know, SDM diving on YouTube it stands for Shark Diver Magazine. Oh yeah, that was I see now. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks, Ron. Well, Eli, we sure greatly appreciate you coming on. And I, whenever we have guests like you, it's it's one of those things that I just forget about asking questions and just listen and find myself getting wrapped up in the stories. And I think, you know, I think others will as well. And I think uh, we've only really scratched the surface of, of what you bring to the table. So we may have to do this again at some point and talk about some of your uh, land-based expeditions a little bit more than what we touched on this time but the underwater stuff is just uh to me it's just kind of awe-inspiring and it's it's a world that you know us wyoming boys don't get to live in very often so it's it's fun to live vicariously well this land-based stuff is just tigers jaguars polar bears orangutans i i know it's it's pretty i mean it's pretty plain jane but (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I love any birds. One of those. That's one. Thing. You know, that's my favorite part too. I love, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a birding fool too. So. Well, I love how you state on your website your passion is helping people understand predators. Need more of that. Keep going. Keep living the dream, and I'll keep looking at where you're heading through Instagram and on your website, and and keep dreaming about those spots, man. Hopefully, yeah. Live it up. Ah, thank you, man. And I hope to catch up with you guys out there. I definitely am. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely serious about wanting to get out there and, and see you guys world. I'm, I'm really envious of what you guys are doing out there as well. So, I mean, yeah. Right. I'll, I'll Open invitation. Yeah. Anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Caribou. I can shut. Yes. <laughs> I, can, I can put a the, few things, a few species on the pick. table. But. The apex predator, the, the uh, barren ground caribou. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jason, did you have something else you wanted to touch on? No, no, not at all. I'm, yeah, just honored to have you on, man. It's been great talking with you. No, then, like I said, I've been a fan of the show for a long time. I, I think I've pretty much listened to almost all your, all the episodes. So, uh, man, thank you so much for the invite. It, it truly is special to me. Uh, I, I would, think that i'm speaking for all of us when i say the honor was all ours for sure yeah thanks for giving us your time tonight i appreciate it too thank you guys you've been listening to the wild and exposed podcast if you haven't yet please give us a rating and a review and make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it and as always thanks for tuning in we're gonna make it someday Nothing's gonna get in our way We will be the biggest band in town